Better Golf Podcast, powered by Win Daily Sports, where betters go to bet better. Here are your hosts, Tee Off Sports and Sticks Picks. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode two of the Better Golf Podcast. I've got Spencer Aguiar with me here at Tee Off Sports. Spencer, how are we doing? I'm doing well, thank you, Nick. How are you? I'm doing all right. First off, uh, we got the Arnold Palmer Invitational, but I just wanted to take a couple seconds to thank everybody for the support. Last week, our first episode, we didn't really market anything or, or go pretty hard on, on trying to get a big following or anything, but we had over 200 plays on the first episode, so that's like double what I was expecting, so thank you, everyone. Hopefully... You like the content. I heard nothing but good things. So hopefully we can keep that up and keep providing great insight for everybody. Yeah. And, and same thing on my end. I mean, I, I wasn't expecting that much feedback from everybody. Some of the reviews that I got, like, you know, everybody loved our chemistry together, Nick. And, and I think that's going to just keep showing through with all the episodes that we do together. And I am so thankful. I know I've told you this about a hundred times at this point, but I'm so thankful for you and for Win Daily for including me in this. And you are an incredibly smart gambling mind, incredibly smart analytical background with everything. And I mean, you are the perfect partner for me to have with this. So I'm extremely thankful to be alongside with you. I'm excited to see where we can take this and seems like it's rubbing off on everybody listening. So, you know, let's see where we can go with it. Hell yeah, man. I appreciate you and, and your time and your insight. I learned from you so much last week. So let's uh, let's get right to it. More Kawa with a convincing W. I, I I know you said it last week. You, uh, you, we didn't say it was a play by any means, but you were kind of hinting like, "What do you lose? Eight strokes uh, putting at the Genesis?" And you're like, "You know, if you want to buy low, like it's a perfect time for Morikawa, especially on a course that we really weighted uh, the approach game strongly in, and that's kind of Morikawa's bread and butter. The dude is just so good at putting the ball close to the pin. Did you have?" Any Morikawa derivatives or anything like that? I kind of just stayed away from him. I didn't have one DFS lineup with him either. So I was just a hard fade. I just thought his putting was a mess with uh, him going to the claw grip but just a week before that. So I didn't have any exposure there. But I mean, the dude played great and he's fun to watch. So uh, it's, he's good for golf. So I'm all for it. I just wish I would have had a ticket or two. I know a lot of the guys out there on Twitter that uh, interact with us, they, they did. So good for them. But nothing for me on the Morikawa side. Yeah, I, I had him a little bit on DraftKings. I had a lot of him on showdown. Uh, he was an interesting one. So last week I had seven guys that were long-term positive equities for me uh, that were 60 to one or less in the outright market. So it was Rom, Berger, Webb, English, Zalatoris, Neiman, Morikawa. Unfortunately, I didn't land on a Morikawa ticket. You know, I think we talked about a little bit. I was happy that uh, we discussed him. I brought him up as a top 20 play at plus 138 for it. But, you know, he was due for positive regression. He had gained 16 shots approach in his two starts before that. He added another 9.6 last week. My only real concern with him was he's a California kid that's used to POA. He had just lost eight strokes the week before. Kind of the narrative of what I thought was going to happen. Like the ball striking's there. I, I'm not surprised that he continued to progress in that fashion. It's just my concern was what's going to happen with the putter on Saturday and Sunday if this thing gets close. And we heard during the broadcast, like he was asking Azinger, he was asking O'Mara, like, how does he handle the surface? How is he going to chip into the Bermuda? And I wouldn't have thought he was going to be able to maintain it, but his approach game is just so good. Like he's almost three feet better in proximity than anyone on tour between 175 to 200 yards. Seeing him, like, I mean, he's gained whatever that is, about 26 shots in three tournaments with his irons. Like that level is just, that's Tiger Woods-esque. And we have four wins and 41 starts. He has a major now, a WGC. 
the kid is a extremely talented and I think we see more out of him than we probably had out of Hovland and Wolf and uh, Champ just because he has a better short game than them. Like it's not quite where it needs to be still, but I mean, we see guys like Wolf and Champ and they're just imploding around the greens and Morikawa is just better suited across the board. He's fun to watch though. I, I do just like, I, I don't necessarily like, I don't watch golf to watch guys make putts. It is fun to see guys make bombs like Berger. I think he had that like 80 footer. That was pretty cool to watch. But I just love watching Morikawa throw darts. So it's good to see him back, if you will, because he was really underperforming for how good of a player he was. So the good for last week for me personally, well, I was so heavy on Hovland. I had him top five. I had him top 10, top 20. I think my my main thing last week, my top play was him being top 20. And I talked about that a lot. And then, I mean, that's really it. Like everything that happened to do with Hovland was great. I had a lot of derivatives of him. And then I think I had a lot of Louis Oosthuizen, uh top 30 and top 20 tickets and a couple matchups there. But the bad. That's uh, that's more what I like to talk about. I don't want to hide and say that I had a perfect weekend by any means. It was actually a losing weekend for me. I had um, a very large Ty- uh, a Tyrell Haddon ticket at top 20. I think he finished like 23rd. He blew it on the greens late that last day. And then do we even say his name with Will Zalatoris? I think that was the heaviest, uh, my heaviest exposure outside of Hovland last week was Will Zalatoris. And what did he have? Seven putts on 17 and 18 on Sunday's final round to get him outside the top 20. Absolutely broke my heart. But how about you, man? What was the good? What was the bad? And uh, I don't want to talk about Zalatoris anymore. He he really broke my heart. Yeah, Zalatoris was what decided the winning-losing week for me. So I ended up having a very slight losing week also. You know, I, I was underexposed for the most part. I, I mentioned on the show last week that wasn't my favorite tournament. Yeah, we, we both went light, it sounded like. Yeah, I, I had very little matchup stuff in general. Like, I tweeted out on Wednesday for the Puerto Rico tournament, uh, Josh Teeter over Steven Yeager at plus 114. That was something that I know a couple people were able to get on. So, I mean, when you have a small exposure week, I mean, hitting something like that is nice. I was very overexposed for as underexposed as I was everywhere in the outright market. Like between the WGC and Puerto Rico, like you never, I I never have a tournament where I have two and a half units uh, in exposure on it. Like I'm much more conservative when it comes to my outright plays. Mm-hmm. And um, those that was uh, I mean, Rom was definitely the negative. I, I'm not really quite so sure what happened there with him. My good would be I, I had Kevin Na plus 250 uh, as a top 20. That was actually my biggest play. I had a it's a great ticket. Uh, Brendan Todd as the T40. I had seven tenths of a unit. I was just going to bring that up. I put that was my second biggest play outside of Hovland and, or my third biggest play outside of Hovland and Sal Torres top 20. And I had nothing to do with Brendan Todd until you talked about him last week on the show. So I literally wrote that as we were uh, podcasting last week because you were very high on him and you had a good edge there. So thank you for that one. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm happy we could get that one to the window. That that was probably my favorite. That was the, um, I mean, other than the ROM ticket I had, that was the uh, most units I had on a play for that tournament. And then Morikawa plus 138 in the top 20. Uh, Simpson minus 110 is in, in the top 20. And then the losses for me on the top 20 were Sergio at 250. Palmer. Palmer's another guy. I, oh, I don't he know was a bust. Yeah, I mean, he started off so well and then just went cold. Berger didn't get there. Berger was a frustrating one because when I was running some of my showdown stuff like I had him as a guy that should have been in third place if we were getting like an average putting in around the green week and he just absolutely imploded with his short game uh English is another guy don't know what happened with him I mean he made a 
quadruple bogey where he was 250 yards out in the center of the fairway on the par five, left at the 60 feet, and then all of a sudden walks away with a nine. And that kind of derailed his tournament. And then, yeah, I mean, the thing that decided my week was the Zalatoris one. Um, he three putts 17, he four putts 18 to fall out of the top <laughs> there. So, yeah, I, I lost a little bit under a unit. I was profitable on the top 20s. Uh, profitable on the head-to-heads and pretty much just the outrights is where is what killed me for the week yeah well it was like we said it was uh there was not you know there was no course data really for that course at all that we could go off of and that's a, a really big thing of our models they're very database so it was good that we went light because if we would have went big it probably would have been even worse so let's go on to the arnold palmer invitational at bay hill about 7400 yards so pretty long what are your thoughts and what key metrics are you are you really keying on here yeah it's it's an interesting tournament so as of right now uh, i don't think anybody's pulled out we have 123 golfers usually it's reserved for 120 they've allowed three former winners into the tournament which is i think noteworthy just because if anybody pulls out they won't be replaced in the field so you know for a DraftKings perspective you have a limited field you have people that aren't going to be replaced it's probably you can probably get away with a little bit more stars and scrubs than usual um only two americans have won this since 2006 that would be tiger and the most aberrational finish of Matt Every winning back-to-back in 2014 and 2015. <laughs> uh, it, we have an international flair with this tournament, obviously, based off of that. Patton, Molinari, Rory, Leishman, Day have been the last five winners. Uh, it looks like an extremely complicated course. I don't think it's going to play as difficult as it did last year. Last year, we saw four under with Hatton win it. Weather kind of got insane with it. To me, this is a course that you're going to be looking at, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 under par. There's water on 10 holes. There's 85 bunkers spread throughout. Uh, your best opportunity to score is going to come on the par fives. And I think that's something that I look forward to talking to you about once we start talking about players, because one of the uh, key things with that is you're going to need long irons from over 200 yards. And you're also going to need that like 75 to 125 yard range for the guys that have to lay up. So I think there's some interesting players that might not be exactly popping for me that I would like to get your thoughts on when we get to that point. I I mean, you're not going to be able to bomb and gouge this like strategy is going to come into play. You're going to have to understand the risk reward of what's going on. And part of that reason, like, I I don't understand this Bryson narrative. Everybody's saying he's going to drive the par five, six hole there. (laughs) Uh, I mean, they're just, there's no way. I mean, we saw John Daly try that years ago. He made an 18 on the hole. There's no way. Bryson is going to try anything like that. Yeah, he's he's not that dumb of a player. Like he he's a genius too. So I, yeah, I, I think that's just strictly noise. But believe it or not, Bryson really wasn't popping that much for me. So I don't know how much exposure I'll have unless you talk me into him. But uh, for me, the things that I weighted the most was off the tee and approach. It seems like every week it's I, I love approach. That's my favorite part of golf and and watching guy. Like I said, like watching more just throw darts with his irons and and wedges there. Like that is my favorite part of golf and i think this is another course that that historically is a a very key metric but off the tee was something that i was kind of surprised of it seems like previous winners have gained strokes off the tee and then obviously tee to green is a very important stat here more importantly like that's one of the heaviest weights that i've had so far this year for tee to green is at this course whether or not that holds true that's kind of where i'm at do you have any would you talk me off any of those three that's that's basically the three that i'm going on and no and i'm pretty much in agreement with you on that like strokes game gained approach you're looking at i I believe i don't have it in front of me right now i believe 
it was two and a half times more influential from the top 10 finishers last year. Yep. So, I mean, you're going to you're gonna need to be good with your irons everywhere. You're going to need to be specifically good here. Like, you have those long ranges, the long irons. You have some of the short ones on the par fives, but long par three holes with it. Uh, I, I put a little bit of weight onto wind. The forecast on Sunday right now, or even in the weekend in general, is is kind of looking dodgy. I mean, we'll see what happens with that. You know, like I said earlier, the par fives are where you're going to need to be able to score at. So I have a little bit there. I have a little bit on sand save. And, and I agree with you, like the ball striking numbers, the off the tee numbers, like all those things, the, the greens and regulation, that's kind of what you're looking for. You're looking for good ball strikers that can get hot on Bermuda greens, that can handle the wind, that can handle missing a green and getting up and down, that can play in a sand trap. So uh, no, I mean, I think you're pretty much spot on with what you're looking for this week. Love it. Love it. All right. Top fades of the week. Who are you fading? I don't really have a ton of like big names, so I don't necessarily want to call them fades. But like I said, Bryson, I'm not going to have much Bryson in DFS or anything across the board. I just got him. I think I ranked him fifth or sixth. And, you know, in Vegas odds aggregate, he's shown up as a, as the number two guy to win here. So to me, there's just no value in any Bryson ticket that I could find. Even with the matchups, like there's just nothing that I liked and I wanted to pay the price for. And then Hideki Matsuyama, I don't know, like, is he even a fade anymore? It's like people don't really play him or, or purchase a lot of tickets for Hideki. Matsuyama anymore and then Billy Horschel I'm just going off of uh he overperformed last week I'm not I'm not big on him but man he played his ass off so I'm not going to go to Billy Horschel this week and then Mark Leishman I know he's got great history here I don't think course history means a whole lot like you said the weather's just always very variant at this course it's going to be goofy again this week those are pretty much my four that in comparison to Vegas I just I had no interest in and and now my model is kind of showing the same exact thing but not a lot of well, I guess maybe Malinari as well. I know he's got great history here and in a previous winter. I'm probably not going to have any exposure to him either. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Um, just to go back to the Bryson thing really quickly, I had him fifth on my model. So, I mean, I think we're kind of nice, in the same right. spot with him. I, I'm not going, you know, maybe on, on DraftKings, if you're looking for a GPP play, I think you have such a high upside with him that makes some sense to maybe sneak him in. I My projections have him around 12%. I mean, it doesn't take much. Not really looking to get Tim. I don't like where his game's at per, uh, necessarily right now. But I'll give you three lower guys right now that I'm looking to fade in head-to-head matchups. And then I will move over to the outright guys that are some of my overpriced guys. So uh, Lee Westwood, 114th on my model. Uh, miscut, miscut 63rd here since 2013. Siwoo Kim, uh, 91st on my model. Three straight miscuts at Bay Hill. Nothing better than a 50th and four starts since his uh, American Express win. And then Maverick McNeely was 84th on my spreadsheet. That's another Cali kid who prefers POA. He's pretty good out of the sand, but he's lost strokes with his irons in four of his last five starts. So those are four, uh, three guys there that I'm looking to, if I can find a matchup against them, I'm, I'm looking to take them on. My three overpriced guys in the outright market, and two of these I'm sure are going to be controversial takes because I know everybody in the industry as a ticket on two of them. I'll start with the one that won't be so controversial. I'm not going to bet Jordan Spieth at 30 to one. I mean, he's never played this course before. I think that when you add water into play, the driver gets wild. I think there's big numbers out there. I don't necessarily, I'm not expecting him to implode. I think that he is getting his game back, but I'm not looking to, to back him at 30 to one. And then 
The two to me that I just think are overpriced options would be Matthew Fitzpatrick at 25 to one and Sam Burns at 35 to one. You know, there may be some better uh, numbers in the market on those two. But like one of the reasons why I run my model uh, for a two year sample size is so I can go through without any of the short-term data that kind of sways what Vegas is looking for. Once a sports book is aware of what somebody's doing, the value's gone at that point. And, and one of the examples I always use, like in my my articles for Rotoballer, is I'll compare it to like fantasy football. Like, like just for an example, like in 2019, I, I was essentially all in on Terry McLaurin coming out of Ohio State when Washington took him. And that was a spot where you could draft him in the last pick of the draft. It, you know, no matter how many rounds you had, I mean, if you had 16, 20, 24, I mean, like he wasn't going off the board for the most part. And I was in my article saying he's essentially a sixth, seventh, eighth round type value in my model that I had made. And the problem with that is, though, if you're drafting him, but like, you would never do it. If you're drafting him as a sixth, seventh, eighth round value, you're drafting all the upside out of him. And it's the same thing with the outright market. Like Matthew Fitzpatrick. When I run it from a two-year sample size, and in fairness, I would take it at this number. I have him as a 50 to one option of what's yeah, fair. I was gonna say I got him at 40. <laughs> yeah. And and interestingly enough, when I add some of the short-term data into it, he becomes about 35, 40 to one for me. Yeah. And you know, if you're gonna give him to me at 50, it's like, yeah, I'll take it. But I just have I mean, I know like everybody in the industry wants to bet those two guys and nobody wants to miss out, but I mean, the value is soaked out of those numbers at this point. And Fitzpatrick can win the tournament. I think he's probably the most likely of the three of them to actually get it done. I, I'm Burns is pretty low on my model. Spieth is a little bit lower than him. And I want to say Fitzpatrick is like 24th uh, for me. I don't know. It's just not a spot that I necessarily am. If I can oppose them, if I can find the right number on a head-to-head, which I do have one against uh, Fitzpatrick, but it's just not a route that I'm looking to go this week. I love it, dude. I, I absolutely love the take on Terry McLaurin, too. Did you play him week one of DFS in 2019? He was like 0% now, and he went nuts. I remember that. That was yeah. great. Case Keenum, maybe, was quarterback? Uh, yeah, I think Keenum started, and then Haskins took over at some point. Yeah, that's that's funny as hell. Uh, the Great, great analogy though. That makes perfect sense, and I love exactly what you just said. I Fitzpatrick to me, he's a he's a forty to one is kind of what I, I think it was like thirty eight to one is where I pegged him at here, and then to see twenty five to one is kind of just recency bias. The dude is awesome. I'd certainly one hundred percent echo what you said about if any of those three guys have a chance to win, it's him. For me, Burns is an easy fade. I don't think he's. Just, I don't trust him off the tee at all. I don't think he trusts himself off the tee. And like I said a couple minutes ago, that's something I'm weighing heavily this week. So I have to stick with my gut here. I'm trusting off the tee numbers and Burns doesn't do it for me. And Jordan Spieth, same exact story there, but he is great around the green. Now the sand putting like that is one thing like he can get hot. If I'm going to play Jordan Spieth, I think I would buy it at live. Maybe if we can get him 50 or 60 to one later, if he lays an egg on day one, or if it's really windy and, you know, I don't know, someone just has a great day and, and he's just five, six shots back. Maybe I'll buy in then. But for my outrights, or I guess I, we already talked about fades. Let's get into, uh, I don't want to go to outrights yet. I want to get into, let's go to top 40. Um, but also I love what you said about fading players. Now that this is a cut event. I know last week I, I wrote this down when you were talking about uh, you don't like no cut events because you like to fade people instead of like I, I'm probably the opposite for better or for worse there. 
I like to find guys that I know I am higher than Vegas on, and then I will go seek out their matchups and then just make sure I agree with the price and then I'll take it. So you're the, you know, kind of the opposite with matchups. And maybe that's something I need to look at. like, who is my model really down on in comparison that Vegas is kind of high on? So I, I really enjoyed that that take there. And I know that you mentioned that last week about you hate non-cut events. So I think this is going to be a dangerous week for you in a good way. So I'm excited for that. And I wrote down every player you just talked about fading. So I will look for those matchups as well offshore and and uh the states that are legal here and all the books that we got but top 40 do you want me to just kind of go over mine or do you want to go back and forth how do you want to do this uh i'm gonna be honest with you i have a lot of names written down i uh, we can just keep going back and forth i guess on it and i uh, i don't know my list might go on for a little bit of time Great. And that's fine. No, they, I mean, we're here to provide value. And I've, I found a lot of it. It's a big field. 123 golfers. There's going to be a lot of plays, um, you know, assuming that our numbers back it up. So for me, I'm gonna, I'll am gonna. go first with one of my favorites is Cameron Tringali. I saw no, him. Uh, is that good or bad? It's the first name I have written down. That's the first guy <laughs> I was going to mention. All right. Well, that I, I hinted at a five unit play on Twitter. It graded out as maybe like a three, three and a half, but I'm going to get a little bit greedy. And uh, just because I had a price of like minus 150, minus 160 for the top 40 markets, this dude has finished top 40th, um, even better than that usually, but seven out of his last nine starts, four straight. He's a plus in every metric that I value for this tournament. And he's just a, a great course fit and he's in great form. So, when I saw plus 120 on DraftKings, that is, you know, a 70-point value for me. I'm, I'm all over it. That's my favorite play, and I'm not going to look back. I, I don't doubt it at all. And to hear you say that it was your first name on the board, that's awesome. Talk to me a little bit about Tringale here. Yeah, so he's seventh on my model this week, kind of just reiterating some of the things you just said. Um, you know, he's four straight top 26 finishes. He's inside the top 25 of my model in stats, form, and course history. I mean, that's for, for the price tag I'm getting on him. There's not a ton of guys that fit all three of those criteria. And he's third in strokes gained total over his last 24 rounds. I think you're getting a guy who's really hot that Vegas is not quite taking into account right now. Like we're so busy on the Burns and the Fitzpatrick thing. Like a guy like Tringali is, is slipping through the cracks. So I love it at, at plus 120. You know, I, I looked and I saw on FanDuel, he's minus 115. On points bet, he was minus 112. I mean, I like it at those numbers too. I mean, do your shot right? the best number you can find. But at 120 on DraftKings, that's uh, that was the first name I had written down this week. Hell yeah, I love it. So that, is he worth a win ticket? He's, uh, I think I found him 80 to 1. Let me find out where that was. Yeah, 80 to 1 on points bet. I just put a little bit on there just because how much I like him at top 40. I, I would be kicking myself if I didn't have a win ticket if he if he finally came out and won a tournament here. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I have a number at 90 to 1 uh, at an offshore book. Um, nice. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think he is. I think that this is – it's. we'll get into the outrights and discuss it. But I, I think there's it's a, it's a unique board this week to maybe attack some of these guys that are a little lower down, mostly if – weather throws this into a uh you know a different type of a tournament yeah and i saw DraftKings' his price is like 7700 mm-hmm. um ownership projections right like 15 percent out if i build i don't build 150 every week but if i do that this week now that i definitely didn't last week because i did not like the uh the no data to to back the core so it really wasn't a great week to go all in for me and not all in but you know heavier on on dfs and i usually would but I think I would come out with maybe 60 to 70% exposure to Tringali at that price. My model absolutely loves him at 7,700 there. Yeah, so. his irons are just so good. If we're looking for good iron players, I mean, he's in form right now, and and I agree. Let me give you another one. 
Matthew Neesmith. He checked all the boxes for me on every metric. I graded him at plus 115 for top 40, so it's not like this is a home run play for me by any means. It's more of just seeing the prices out there. DraftKings has him at plus 138, FanDuel at plus 165, and then point uh, points bet, yeah, sticking out like a sore thumb here at plus 200 to finish top 40. So I have an 85 or 85 point value there for me, and just it's a guy that's elite approach game, and that's something that I really value. And he's gaining a lot of strokes tee to green. I think um, he did get cut in his last appearance here. I think it's his only appearance at the Arnold Palmer Invitational last year, and he was really bad off the tee and lost a. Uh, ton of strokes tee to green and that's something that he's been really really strong on over the last year so right now in my model i have him ranked second and expected strokes gain tee to green so i don't know if i'm too high on him there obviously the other metrics kind of weighed him down if i have him at plus 115 for a top 40 market and have him ranked second in expected strokes gained off the tee or if my model's broken or something but neesmith is a guy that i want to invest in a lot this week and mainly just that top 40 just because at two to one for that, like it's a pretty low risk bet in my opinion. I got him ranked overall twenty seventh on my board, so to get two to one top forty where I expect him to finish, that's that's incredible for me in my opinion. What do you got there? Yeah, I, I am thirty first in my model. Uh, two to one's a really great number on that. I mean, when I'm looking over a two year sample size. I have him third in approach. He's first in approach over his last 24 rounds. I mean, he's a better Bermuda putter than if you take all surfaces into account. The only the only worry I have about him, if there's any worry, he is extremely volatile. And we see him, and we've seen it recently, like at the uh, – let me see if I have it in front of me. He burned the whole industry at uh, either the Sony or the American Express. I want to say it was – I think he did at both, but I think all <laughs> was at the Sony – and my only worry with him is, is when he gets cold, he gets real cold. And I mean, maybe the wind comes in to play a factor with him where he blows himself off the course. But I mean, I agree. Plus 200 is such a good number there. Like I'm kind of in the same ballpark. I'm probably a little, a little bit, uh, what'd you say you had him at plus 115? Yeah, I grade him at a one, 115 for top 40. Yes. Yeah. I mean, when I take the volatility into account, I mean, I'm probably looking at closer to 140 or 150, but I mean, that's, we're talking about 50, 60 points there. That's, that's a huge margin of difference. Like my only concern is the volatility with him, but uh, yeah, he's 31st on my spreadsheet. I, I like where your mind's at there. All right. Give me one. What do you got? Uh, So Charlie Hoffman plus 138 on DraftKings. He's plus 120 on FanDuel plus 120 on points bet. So he has three top 14s in his last four trips to Bay Hill. And he's one of those players for me where anytime you add wind in, and you know, he's from UNLV. So I I'm, and I'm from UNLV. So that's, uh, that's somebody that I've always, you know, had some sort of an affinity towards with that, but oh, absolutely. Uh, you get, you gotta have play some favorites sometimes, you know, and I don't think little, people little are biased. I know you're from uh, Chicago and you get some wind there, but you know, Vegas is, is very windy also. And I don't think people quite realize how windy it gets here. And, Hoffman's game is predicated to play in the wind and he's great with his long irons. Uh, you know, he does a lot of things that you you want to see on a course like this. And, you know, he's somebody that I have, I have him 12th on my model. He is going to be like, if you're looking from a DraftKings perspective, he's going to be pretty popular. But if you get rid of those two withdrawals that uh, the farmers in the American Express and he came back at the waist and kind of fell apart, like you go to that Pebble Beach where he came in seventh place. I think that's more of like, you know, a windy condition course where yep. anytime you get wind thrown into the mix there, you just get a better effort out of him. So 
it's not my favorite play on the board of all the ones, but I think when you take his course history, plus 138 is a good number. I would have him more in the minus range. Uh, Absolutely. Range. Yeah, I love to see that plus 120 on both points bet and FanDuel. So, you know, DraftKings is off a little bit there regardless of what happens. Um, he was on my board too, so... It seems like we're on all the same guys. All right, I'm going to throw you one that I absolutely love. Again, it's a guy I never play. Um, it was just like, I don't know what what's going on with the pricing here, but I found like 100 points of value in Luke List, um, top 30. So I'm also going to play him top 40. Don't get me wrong, but this is a guy that is absolutely elite off the tee, solid approach game, and very solid um, tee to green. So I, I won't have no win. I think he's like a, a very talented player, but I think the put- putting will limit his ability to win this tournament. But his top... Um, his past three starts in the Arnold Palmer Invitational, he has finished top 20 in all three of those. I got him ranked 24th overall, but my price on him to finish top 30 was around plus 150, 160 proper, and points bet has him at plus 260. So I don't know if they're just they're just off there, and he's also plus 160 on on top 40. So I don't know what to do. And then top 20, I think he was four and a half to one on FanDuel. So I'm just going to hit all three of those because, you know, four and a half to one for just a, a couple points or a couple spots off of where I have them. I have them ranked 24th, like I said. I love it. I'm going to hit all three of those markets, but the top 30 and top 40, obviously, are my favorite. Do you have any thoughts on Luke List? You know, it's I, he's on my list also. So, yeah. <laughs> no pun I, intended. Yeah. So it's, um you know, one of the interesting things I do want to point out and I, there's only one legal market that I know about that offers this. There's some offshore books that uh, offer it also. When I play somebody in the top 20 market, I us- or the top 10 market, if I go a little bit higher, I usually try to find them in the places where ties pay in full. When you get into some of those yep. dead rules, uh, it gets more difficult once you start shrinking the field. And, um, you know, if, if I'm going to go to list, I would probably, at least for a top 20, I'd probably be looking on, uh, well, BetMGM is the legal book that offers it. I don't know what BetMGM's price is right now on a, a top 20 on that. There are some, uh, like, as I said, offshore books that uh, are going to offer it also, but yeah, I mean, I'm in agreement with you. I, I Luke List plus 160 is what I have for him on points bets. He has three top 30s on tour in his last four starts. Uh, three top 17s at Bay Hill since 2017. I think you're just getting a player that's too good for this pricing. And I, I agree. I don't know if he can necessarily win this tournament. I think he's proven that he can't. But we've seen him in Florida before perform. It's just a spot for him that the market is much lower than it sounds like both of us are. Uh, for what his price should be this week. Love it. That's exactly right. That's awesome. He's on your list too. Uh, so yeah, good for that. And I love your point on the the tie. So like if you, you know, a couple books, I think I had it the other day. I didn't even know that DraftKings, I thought DraftKings would pay out a, a top 20. I had a guy finish 20th and it was a push. So like you said, it's it's great to find the books that count that as a win, but MGM in the States and then offshore uh, I'm sure you could find a bunch of them that do it. So that's just a great point. Again, protect every dollar that you put out there to invest. So great point there, Spencer. Give me a guy you like here in, in one of these markets. Uh, so Lanto Griffin, uh, top 40, yeah, plus 130. <laughs> We're on everyone. This The next guy on my sheet was Lanto. <laughs> yeah, so uh, plus 130 on points bets, uh, plus 125 on FanDuel, minus 120 on DraftKings, which is probably more of what the accurate price should be for him on uh, that. Uh, the plus 130 is great value. 
he's one of those guys where he's a good par five scorer, but one of the guys he reminds me of is Sam Burns. Like, I don't know if he's as long off the tee as Burns, but it's one of those things where like going to move towards Burns and you can get the same exact player for a completely different price that like, I mean, you're looking at almost like they're like prototypes of one another. And Griffin is just safer from what you're going to get. And everybody that's rushing the bet Burns, I would try to push everybody in the Lanto Griffin direction. And that's even potentially in the outright market, 90 to one in the outright market. That's one of the guys that we'll get to later, but I'm interested in him. I think at some point, everything's going to click for him. It'll probably happen sooner than later. Right. Absolutely love it, man. I got him at minus 125 for the top 40. And then, yes, he points bet at 130 was awesome. Um, So I hit that right away. I love that you're on it. And yeah, the dude's got three straight top 40s in absolutely stacked fields. That's what I absolutely love, too. Like, this guy is playing elite golf with elite golfers. It's awesome. I'm going to take him top 30 as well. I think it's plus 210 there on draft or on points bet. But the top 40 is certainly like one of my top plays this week. Just a guy that's great off the tee, great approach, good tee to green, everything that I want. And the putter can always save him, too. So when he does get in trouble, he is good on the green. So he'll limit the damage. It's just like you said, it's a safe guy. And I think I think he's safer than Sam Burns. I think he finishes ahead of Sam Burns this week. I, 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 I 100% do, I agree. Do yeah. All right. I'm going to get gross with a two or three quick ones. Um, let's see here. Maybe one. Uh, Bo Hogg. I don't know how to say his name. To finish top 40, I got him at like plus 185. But points about had him at plus 320. So there's absolutely nothing sexy about this guy. He just he's a plus on every one of the metrics that I grade, not by a big margin this week, but I look at DraftKings, he's plus 175 there. I look at FanDuel, he's plus 250 there. So 320 on on points bet just seems like a very, very high number for a dude that has, uh, I think he's finished top 46 times in his last eight starts. So he's in good form. Uh, he fits the course well, in my opinion. Over three to one odds to finish top 40. I think I'm going to take that. So you got any thoughts on Bo? It's a golfer I've never talked about. He's like 6,200 on DraftKings too. So I'll probably just invest there as my punt play. But I don't know, unless you talk me off of them. I'm not sold on. I hate dumpster diving like that, but it just seemed like a pricing error on points bet for me. No, I don't have them written down, but I do kind of like where you're coming from with it. Uh, when I compare my model, like just from a rank standpoint to where he is on the betting market and on the DraftKings market, I have him 26 spots higher on the betting market. I have him 27 spots higher on DraftKings. I am 70th overall. I mean, he's the 97th price guy. Yeah, I mean, he, as you said, he has six top, what is that? I guess 36 finishes if you even want to get a little bit better with it if we're trying to avoid some of those uh, ties into the mix. If you look at his last five tournaments, four top 36 finishes, like, I think you could do a lot worse than that. I, I don't have a problem with that play. The value does seem to be there at the number that you got on it. And uh, he's playing good golf right now. Yeah, it's not something I love. Just uh, I think I got him ranked like 55th. So um, he was ahead of a guy like Alex Noren, who I love. I usually I'm just a Noren fanboy. I'm not sure why. But yeah, it was just a little bit of value for me there. It's not going to be a big play by any means. But you got any more for me? Yeah, I mean, one last thing on that, too, is like when you take a play like that and at plus 300, whatever you said it was, you know, that's a guy where you have him above the 40th point of what you're trying to get it. I have him at 70th, but like there is value in that number when you're trying to like deep dive this a little bit. So, you know, that's one of those things where like in the long term, you're not going to win 50% of the times on that wager, but you are getting a price that is conducive to enter the market. So uh, mm-hmm. I just want to throw that out there that, uh, you know, some of these plays, like when, when people make them, not every unit is worth the same for a player. You know, some plays are smaller. So, uh, and I think that's an important thing to note that 
you should never be flat betting your way through. I mean, there's just bigger advantages that you're going to find in different spots and the win equity changes on plays. But uh, uh, I will get back on point here with uh, Cameron Davis. Dude, every time. Oh, that's great. I'll show you my paper here. He's right there on the bottom. Uh, Cam Davis, somewhere up here. Yeah, this is incredible. Um, so he's plus 110 on points bet, yep. uh, plus 105 on FanDuel, minus 120 on DraftKings. And, you know, it's kind of amazing. Points bet this week is really offering some good prices compared to the rest of the market. Like, that's the book that seems to just be popping over and over again. But uh, I've mentioned this on Twitter in, in the past, and I ran a model that just put a, put every player, the top 600 players in the world, on a course that is as neutral as possible. So you're not going to take guys that are, you know, like off the tee that are better approach. Like, you're just going to take the most complete golfer. And the most underrated golfer I had on tour, according to that, was Cameron Davis. He is overall the 16th player for me on tour, just throwing him on a random course. This week, ironically, he's a little bit worse than that. So... Uh, I have him at, I have him 18th overall for this tournament, you know, I, but I think that that's maybe a little too cautious. Part of the reason for that is we see his stats. He's really good off the tee. He's really good with distance and there's going to be forced layups this week. And I think my model might be affecting him a little bit on that, but you know, you just have a guy that he's still young. I don't think that we know exactly where his game is going at this point. You look at his last five tournaments, like, I mean, he does have a 43rd at the Genesis, which you would think would be a tournament that would suit him. But then you look and he has a 14th at Pebble Beach. He has a third at the American Express. Like, those are courses where approach shots would be a little bit more of what you're looking for. And he just seems to be clicking right now with his irons. And I think his game might be transforming a little bit from what I thought it was. And uh, he's a guy that... uh, you know, once again, like some of these DraftKings numbers seem to be a little bit more in agreement with where I'm at. Like, I think 120 is probably minus 120 is probably fair, but I have a 30 point difference with him on points bet. And uh, I will have a little bit of a small wager on him this week. Hell yeah. I absolutely love that one. I got him at like minus 115 for the top 40. So, yeah, when I saw, um, you know, plus 110, I ran to that one and hit that as well. That's that's all right. we're either going to have an amazing week or we're going to be crying on next week's show because we are on everything. I got one more gross one for you. I did have an honorable mention to Corey Connors at points, but he was plus 150. But I don't really want to talk about him as much. I, his putting just scares me. But maybe if you if you got to read on that after this guy that uh, cause I, I don't want to go through my whole damn card. But here's the one that I like a lot as well is Tom Hoagie. Um, FanDuel, it's a smaller play for me again. FanDuel's got him at plus 270 for the top 40 market. I don't love much about this guy overall, but again, he, he checks all the boxes for me, similar to Hogue, but you know, I, I don't know how they say it. It's is it Hogue and then Hoagie? I, I don't even know I, how I to say his that's name. Correct, yeah. I think okay, correct. <laughs> but yeah, the guy's got two top 30 finishes in his last two starts um at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. So I had him priced at plus 160. And then I saw FanDuel at plus 270, so 110 points. Um, I, I just have to take that price. I don't really care what the metrics say, but just I got him rated overall 39th, so pretty high on this dude too. So it does fall, fall in line with like, yeah, he should finish top 40 just based on what my numbers say. But to see that type of price, like almost 3-1 to one, like Bo Hogue was, what am I missing here with Tom Hoagie? I don't love this guy at all. Like I said, I didn't even know how to say his last name. I think I've just had him in a couple DFS lineups over the years, and that's how I know him. So I, I am 79th. I'm not as high oh. as you are on him. Um, 40 spots different. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So what did I miss? Or 
or what are we doing here? I don't. I'm trying to see what is bringing him down so far here. I mean, I have him 74th in this field when it comes to the weighted par five category. I have him 103rd in sand save percentage, which I did. You know, maybe this is a little bit too much of weight uh, because, I mean, if you're missing greens and you're in sand traps, you're probably struggling. I I put 12.5% on it. That might be, I mean, it's not like grossly overweighted, I don't think. I mean, but like somewhere between 7.5 to 12.5 would probably be the range that I would say is most accurate there. And then I am bad off the tee too. I don't understand why he's popping for me, I guess. Yeah. In in total driving, I have him 96 in, uh, I, I made my own little stat of, uh, greens in regulation and around the green. I have him 95th, but the one thing I will say about him, his long irons and his approach game in general, it like, I mean, he's spectacular across the board, almost like I have him 16th from 175 to 200 yards. I have him 13th from 200 yards plus. As you said, he has uh, two top 52 finishes in his last two events, which is also a 12th at Pebble Beach, a 26th and a 15th in his two trips at Bay Hill since uh, 2018. I don't know. I mean, I'm not as high. I think there's a lot of things that are, are probably wrong with him, but you're going to get that when you're this far down the board. Like, it's an interesting thing if you have him in the top 40 and, uh, you know, you're going to be able to get a price like that. Yeah, I must be weighing those long irons way too heavily because, again, off the tee, he's bad, and that's my number one weight. So how did he show up 39th? But either either way, like, I don't think if I correct the long irons a little bit, I think he drops to like mid fifties again. So again, very, very small play. I think Bo Hogue and Tom Hoagie are absolute, like maybe quarter to a half unit plays. If I'm getting about three to one on both of them. Um, but that is it. And then all, all the other guys that we talked about, those are my core plays. You got anybody else that we haven't discussed? I will rapid fire these off. Cause I do have a couple more. So, uh, Keegan Bradley plus 180 on points bet. I, I'm not in love with that play. You know, in his last eight starts here, he's come 42nd, 46th, 26th, 34th, 36th, 49th, second, and third. You know, that's kind of trending in the wrong direction over some of that early stuff. Anytime you had water in the play and the ability to implode, uh, you run a risk there. He is 20th on my model. I mean, I I would feel like I feel like I need to mention him based off of that reason. It, it will be an extremely small play. I, I think my numbers on him are a little bit bullish from probably what is accurate. Uh, another one would be Chris Kirk. I have him at plus 180 uh, for a top 40 on points bet. That's plus 138 on DraftKings, plus 175 on FanDuel. Three top 16s are better in his last four starts. Three top 15s are better here in his last four starts. Yeah, he's been good. Yeah, good short game. Uh, anytime that you short game comes into play, I, I think that all, always helps a little bit. One of my favorite plays on the board, just from a pricing standpoint, is Zach Johnson plus 230 at points bet. And when we look at his DraftKings number, he's plus 130 on there. And he is, I believe, 25th on my spreadsheet. Yeah, he's 25th, uh, 32nd here in 2020, 40th in 2019, 26th in 2018, uh, 66th in 2017, which is a little worse, and then a 5th in 2016. If we just look at his, I mean, the guy doesn't miss cuts. He's always in contention. Another guy where his short game, he's a, you know, he's, his Bermuda putting hasn't been great recently. He's 40th, but you know, my weighted par three stats on him and have him 10 pretty good out of the the bunkers, his overall bogey avoidance. I have him seventh. I I just think he's somebody who's not going to make a lot of mistakes. And if you're looking for a ticket that has a chance come Sunday, you know, I think he's right in that margin. And, you know, I think you probably get a, you know, I maybe a top, 
I mean, I don't think it's inconceivable that you get a top 20 out of him. Like, he's one of the guys I have written down. Like, if you're looking for sites that pay in full, he's you can get him about at 6-1. to one. If you're looking at a points bet site for a top 20, you can get about 8-1 to one on him. Uh, and then just a couple more here. Aaron Wise, plus 250 on points bet. And Lucas Glover, plus 270. And that would be on points bet or on FanDuel with that. And, you know, a couple of those guys I will be playing in the top 30 market. Like, I think... List, as you mentioned, Kirk, Zach Johnson, Aaron Wise, Glover. Some of those numbers are so big, it's not going to take very many units. Like, you know, you hit two of those, you're going to pay for all of those plays and more. And then if I'm going to go a little deeper into the top 20s, as I said, Zach Johnson. And then I I will take a shot with Glover. I think eight to one is an interesting price. I only have him 50th, uh, give or take. I have him uh, 47, so a little bit better than that. But Eight to one is just a really good price on a guy that seems to be trending in the right direction here as of late. He has uh, a 39th in Puerto Rico. He did miss the cut at the Genesis. But, you know, if you look at this course specifically, he has two top tens in his last four years. And uh, I mean, I guess that would be about where I'm at on the top 40 plays. Like the top 40 plays are going to be where the majority of, I think, my units are spread this week. I'll throw a little bit on things uh, in the top 30 and 20. But yeah, I mean, I think that's it for me let's get into a couple matchups um i didn't have i did have zach johnson it wasn't a big one for him but yeah on on points but at plus 230 i'm gonna ride that one with you for sure keegan bradley my numbers don't like him a ton but i like the jordan spikes so i'll take that into consideration because you know anybody that wears michael jordan spikes out there in golf that's uh, pretty cool for me and then uh I know John Rahm did it, but he let us down last week. Yeah. And then Chris Kirk, yeah, I don't know how I missed him. That dude's in great form, so I love that ticket there. Let's get into a couple matchups. Uh, do what did I have here? All right, you let me know. You talk me in or off of them. I haven't punched a ticket yet. It is Cameron Tringali at minus 112 over Kevin Kistner, minus 112 on FanDuel. That's a big play for me. I haven't punched a ticket yet, but I it seems like a two-unit hammer for me. Am I off here? Am I a little too giddy on Tringale? Because, um, you know, if he wills Zalatoris as us like last week, I could lose a bunch this week because I'm all about Tringale tickets this week. So I have Kevin Kisner 38th in my model. As I said previously, I have Tringali 7th. Uh, yep. So- the 31 spot difference there. I mean, the only thing with Kisner that ever is intriguing is he is such a great Bermuda putter. He can get hot. That's not something that I'm ever necessarily waiting with it. He has some course history here. I mean, he has a second and a 2030. He also has three missed cuts sprinkled in there in the last five years. Kisner's never a guy that I find myself on. I'm very high on Tringali this week. I think it's a good number. I, I don't have anything to refute that. Awesome. All right. Same guy, uh, Tringali on DraftKings, minus 103 over Sam Burns at minus 125. I think Sam Burns is just way too much recency bias. And again, um, yeah, I would have flipped the prices on these. I would have paid minus 120 for that ticket for Tringali. How about you? Yeah, I mean, we, we've discussed this with it. Burns is somebody that I'm going to be looking in the right matchup to fade. Tringali fits the things uh, that I'm looking for there. And uh, just to throw out a number, since we have talked so badly about Burns this tournament, I have him 35th in my model. I mean, it's not like he's a guy who can't find success, but I, I he's like the number one ownership guy on DraftKings. Like, that's I don't know how you play a large field GPP tournament and go down that route. Like, it's just not somebody that I can find myself on. He's too erratic. He's too inconsistent for me. His around the green game is putrid like there there's nothing i like about his around the green game so uh yeah i mean he's he's somebody i'm looking to take on in a lot of spots awesome all right the last one i have 
is uh well honorable mention to matt neesmith over munoz yeah uh, neesmith is minus 112 and munoz is minus 117 in that matchup on DraftKings. um it was like a half unit for me i haven't punched it yet do you have any read on munoz it just seems like a guy that's like weeks i'm off him he goes off weeks i'm on him i don't really get a lot um besides the masters i i won a huge DraftKings tournament that week and i had munoz on that roster so thanks for that sebastian but i really haven't seen much out of you since then what when i'm backing him at least yeah, I mean, he showed some life last week with his irons. Uh, 22nd at the WGC is a good performance. I have him 45th on my model. Uh, Neesmith, I have, I know I've said it, but I have him 31st. Very, very small edge there. I mean, that's not necessarily a matchup I'm looking to take on. I, I agree with you that Neesmith is the right side of that. Uh, but it would be something if I was to play it, it's very, very small. Okay, cool. I'm going to lower that unit play a little bit. I will punch that ticket. And the last one, I, is this some sort of trap? I didn't understand this at all. Brandon Grace, not a guy we, we talk about often, just one in Puerto Rico has been a really good form overall. Uh, even money to beat Charles Howell, the third, who is in horrible form and just grades out awfully for me, but like, and this is on DraftKings, so he's even money over Charles Howell III on DraftKings. Is this some sort of trap? Because like I didn't even know like how they'd offer a market for Charles Howell. So that's why I feel like, all right, someone knows something I don't either about Brandon Grace. Maybe he's been partying all week. I doubt it. Seems like a really good guy. Um, and, and I know I think he lost his father to COVID recently too. So like this guy's, you know, something's clicking with his game. It's really cool to see good things like that happen to somebody after suffering through tragedy. So. Like, I, I don't want to lean on that either. Like, the guy's motivated to win. He's a professional golfer. He always wants to win. But what's going on with Howell? I don't know what my rant was about back there, but you, you get it. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. To me, Grace is somebody I'm fading this week. But in the same breath, I'm not playing Howell either. I mean, it's kind of one of those matchups where I have two guys I don't have a lot I love. I mean, Grace has – his recent form is incredible. As you said, he won Puerto Rico – 20th at the Genesis, 34th at Pebble Beach. Howell is... Should be on the Corn Ferry. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, three straight missed cuts in a row. I, I, I would love to give more on this one. It's just, it's two guys I have outside of the top 70 for me on my model this week. Um, I don't know if I feel comfortable backing either one of them. I mean, if you have a strong read on Grace, I, I don't necessarily have some strong read on Howell where... Like, I think he's somebody that should be targeted as a play, like for somebody you want to be backing, but. Yeah, so my thing there was like, I just wanted to fade him because he's in such bad form, but he's like one of the best, put like when his putter gets hot, he is one of the best putters on tour. And just that's been year after year, that guy could light up the green. So I don't know, maybe it does seem more like a trap bet, but it's like, it just seems like an obvious play to make a guy that's in great form a favorite over Charles Howell. So that's when I looked at that. I was like, what's going on? I just wanted to ask you about that before I dump money into uh, what's probably going to be some sort of trap bet. But any matchups for you that really stood off the board? Uh, I don't want to mention too many because I know a lot of these are offshore books and I don't want to start uh, touting a bunch of plays there. That's where I saw most of the value. Funny enough, Charlie Hoffman minus 111 over Brandon Grace. That was one of the plays I have written hey, down. I'm fine with that. I'm not high on Grace by any means. It's just like I'm that low on Howell. So again, no, I mean, it was Mark more of like, what was this price that DraftKings laid on it? It just didn't make sense to me. And as we talked about earlier, I mean, that's one of the things that I'm looking to find. I'm trying to find my fade candidates and go from there. Like I'm so much more concerned usually with the players that I don't want to be on and then try to find a matchup for them than the players I do want to be on. So 
Uh, if Grace is somebody that is just not popping in your model, like I don't have a problem opposing him. I, I think that matchup is probably where he should be matched up against. I mean, I think Howell and him are a fair matchup against each other, but uh, Hoffman over Grace, that's that's an offshore book. Uh, some of these other ones would be much smaller plays. Uh, Paul Casey plus 115 over Matthew Fitzpatrick. That's just a price that I would have reversed there. I, I think Casey should be the favorite. That might You may be able to find that on some of those uh, legal books also. I'm not 100% on that. But the plus 115 price is probably going to be better at the offshore book. Henrik Norlander minus 115 over Maverick McNeely. Another guy just looking to fade McNeely. There's two routes you can go here that I've seen. Alex Norin or Brendan Todd over Siwoo Kim. Uh, I just am looking to take on Siwoo. And then the one that I find intriguing, even though I said last week, I never jumped to the top of the board for these plays. I just think we're starting to get a guy who is so, I don't want to say overpriced, but he's entering a realm of pricing that is just so outside of where he has been. I like Rory McIlroy this week, minus 115 over Victor Hovland. We have not seen Victor Hovland gain uh, strokes putting in four consecutive events. His around the green game leaves so much to be desired. I think if that goes cold, the putter goes cold. You know, we've seen Rory in the past four years at this event. He has a fifth, a sixth, a first, a fourth. And I think he's just one of those, oh, yeah, and I think he's one of those guys where it's like, we want to nail him for like what he's not doing. And Rory plays at a different level than everybody else when we're trying to assess his, you know, what he's doing. Anything that's not a win is a loss for him at this point. But he has 10 finishes inside the top 21 in his last 11 starts. Like, if you throw away that uh, Genesis tournament, he's playing really good golf. I don't know why he's not closing on Sunday. I don't know what's going on there with him, but uh, this is a perfect course for him. Anytime that long irons mean more than short irons, Rory's going to fit. And and Hovland fits that narrative also. I just think you're looking at, if you made this price, I mean, God, if you made this price three weeks ago, I, I think Rory's like minus 160, minus 170 in this matchup. And, Sure, you can say that those numbers have tightened up a little bit as of late, but minus 115, I mean, we're looking at, I mean, what is that? About a 53, 53 53.5% implied uh, for Rory. Like, I just think he wins that closer to 57, 58% of the time. And, you know, I think we may see a little bit of a slip from Hovland. I'm not saying that he's going to underperform by any means, but, you know, he's playing a lot of golf, and at some point, his short game has to catch up to him. I absolutely love that analysis. That was something I looked at, and I talked about a little bit last week. Like, I'm scared to take those gimmicky. They're not necessarily gimmicky. You you just described exactly why there's value in Rory in that ticket, but it's like those big names against big names. I just typically stay away from them, but I'm all about the your analysis that you sold me on Rory, and I do. Like, Hovland is – he's certainly due for some regression. Uh, as much as I like the kid's game – I, I loved him so much last week, but that doesn't necessarily mean I love him again. I will not be punching an outright ticket on Victor this week. But, yeah, like he's, I just think his price is a little inflated, too, with how good he has been lately. But damn near the same price as, as Rory in a matchup. I don't like that at all. Like, let's go with Rory, it just especially in a course that Rory just absolutely owns. And like you said, take away the Genesis. He's been awesome. Yeah, and I don't want to make it like like Victor is some natural fade for me. Like for all the reasons you said, he's sixth on my model. I mean, he's somebody who can win this tournament. It's just we're we're reaching a price zone here that he's never entered before. Rory is elite in every part of his game for the most part. I mean, when you take away the short irons, he's about as good as you can get. And you know, sure, there may be some short iron play that comes into play 
uh, on the par fives, but he's just so undervalued at this point right now because everybody wants the wins out of him. Yep. hundred percent agree. That is a damn, that's a great analogy. I love that. Like it is. If Rory's not winning, People don't think he's playing well. But, yeah, like you said, the guy's just a, a top 20 machine. Uh, yeah, that'll be the guy that I'm very heavy on in DraftKings as well. Like, if he's not the most popular play on the board, I don't think he is. Uh, he's up there. But, yeah, like Sam Burns, you said 25% on damn near. Ooh. I know this isn't a DFS show, but, you know, it's hopefully here to help people make money. So I, that's just something I want to talk about as well. But let's get into outright. So let's get everybody on with their day and get ready for golf tomorrow. So I only have two. I, I texted you about this during the day. I was like, dude, I'm having the hardest time figuring out what outrights I like. But you did talk about one guy that I have. Well, I'll just go with one. There's really no math behind it. I know he won last year and it's really hard to go back to back. But if Matt Every did it, Tyrrell Haddon could definitely do it at 18 to 1. I haven't priced it like 15 to 1, so it's not like I'm getting a ton of value there. But um, And then that's just one of my favorite golfers. I love this dude. Um, great overall fit for the course. He won last year, but it, last year was just brutal weather too. But again, if it's like that, like this guy plays in England, it's it's very windy and anywhere near for the most part. And then one other guy, another Englishman, is Paul Casey. You talked about him. Uh, I love that ticket you punched on Paul Casey. 28 to 1 on points bet. I have him at like 19, 20 to 1. So I get a lot of value on that ticket. He's great, great, great approach uh, approach guy. Solid off the tee. Elite tee to green. He, there's just nothing bad about this guy's game. But he hasn't played Bay Hill in a while. I think it was like 2017, the last time he was there. I think he did really bad then too. But if you look at like his stats that week, he was he lost strokes off the tee, which isn't Paul Casey. He's not that guy. So it was just maybe a really bad week for him. Um, I think he's top 20 in both um, in categories, uh, strokes gained off the tee and approach. So I think he, what is he, fourth in my model for expected strokes gained TD green. So at, at 28 to one, I will take that chance because I think that's a really crucial metric here. Yeah, I have him fourth in mine also there. Um, no, and I, I agree with both of those plays with it. Uh, I will give a little bit uh, deeper dive into this. I'm just going to throw out a bunch of names right now. Some yeah, of please do. Guy is going to be a guy that's going to make my outright card, but uh, I do think it's important since I missed it last week with the Morikawa thing, and I think that could have helped You know, people maybe get pushed in the right direction with it. So I have 10 guys at 100 to 1 or less that I have deemed as long-term positive equity plays. And we'll go through and we'll we'll limit some of these down of why I don't think they should make an outright card uh, once we run through these. But uh, Terrell Hatton at 18 to 1. Let's go. Sung J.M. at, uh, I mean, there, there's a bunch of numbers out there. Let's call it 22 to 1. Paul Casey at 28 to 1. Jason Day at 35 to 1. Will Zalatoris at 50 to 1, Harris English at 60 to 1, Cameron Davis at 80 to 1, and then to wrap it up, Tringali at 90, Griffin at 90, and Charlie Hoffman at 100. Now, if we're looking for reasons to get rid of some of those guys, I don't know how you can get to a Harris English ticket this week. He lost 9.6 shots off the T plus approach last week. Maybe he turns it around, but that's, I mean, the. Ball striking is so much more of a stat that, you know, you can look at from week to week with it. Like the putting is what you're trying to find the aberrational performances where something can turn around. I'm not so sure I can get to an English ticket. Sung Jay is value for me. He's third in my model. 
He's lost 5.2 shots with his irons over his last two events. You know, I'm a little bit afraid I'm treating him like the, the Morikawa thing where I am kind of eliminating him for that reason. I don't think he will make my outright card. I mean, those are the two that I'm eliminating for sure, I want to say. I mean, I don't want to necessarily if, if – I mean, I'll, I'll tweet about it if something changes with it. But the only other name that I wanted to get your opinion on is Justin Rose at 66-1. to 1. And that is not somebody that is grading out for me as somebody who's a good play at 66-1. to 1. I think there's name recognition in there that is changing those numbers a, a little bit. But – the one thing that caught my eye, and let me find this so I can uh, read this off. So if we are saying that sh- really short irons and really long irons are going to be important here, I have rose fourth in my model from uh, proximity from over 200 yards. I have him fifth from under 100. And then I also have him fifth in sand safe percentage. And uh, with my little weighted par five, he's seventh. So you know, he's 32nd in my model. When I change a couple things around, he jumps up a little bit higher for me and makes him more of a value there. But I was just curious what you thought about Rose. I love it. I love that price. I got him at 26th right in front of Neesmith and Keegan Bradley. So, uh, yeah, it's 66 to one. That just seems like a, an off price for a guy that's he gains strokes off the tee. He gains strokes putting he create gain strokes approach he's a great approach player i love like you said short irons are money his long irons are money and he's great tee to green so he checks every single box for me this week i think his putting actually has been down over if you want to talk about recent form like the last 30 45 days something that i keep an eye on but yeah justin rose he's like the forgotten guy right now like i see like every tournament he's in like you just see his name when it when he's in the top 10 you're like oh yeah why did i not look at his price this week but um He's like 7,800 on DraftKings. I think that's damn near an autoplay as well, too. So that's a guy that just has a very high ceiling, and I think he's. this is a great course for him to uh, – I don't know why didn't we look at like top 30 or top 40 with him either. But, yeah, I love that price at 66 to 1. I think – I think it's a great ticket now, and because if he's doing well, his live ticket's going to be, you know, fifty or forty. Like it's just a bad number for me, in my opinion. Now's the time to buy that ticket. I would one hundred percent sign off on that. Well, yeah, I mean, because like I agree, like you're either going to see him blow up, and obviously, if that happens, then the ticket's just dead. It's and over. Yeah, you could have saved some money, but if he goes out on Thursday and he's four hundred par, like that ticket's going to go down to. 30 to 125 the one. I mean, depending on where everybody is sitting in the field, and I, uh, I think he's just one of those guys that, like you said, like. You're going to want to grab the number now. I don't think this is not some course where historically people are coming from way far back. Like maybe weather on Sunday can change that this year. But uh, Rose at 66 was just somebody that he reminded me. I mean, the, the form is not good like it was with Homa at the Genesis coming into that. But just somebody that if you manipulate the numbers a little bit and you start changing things around, all of a sudden he comes into like a different territory than where, you know, at least my perception is of where he should be. So those, I guess, 11 guys I mentioned, I'm going to try to, you know, in the next day or two, whittle that down to about four or five names. I think Hatton is somebody that I will have on my card. Uh, Casey, I'm I'm sure I will have on my card. Uh, Now that we talked about Rose, I think he will be there. Cameron Davis is a strong lean and, uh, Yeah, and Tringali and um, maybe even Lanto if we want to keep going down there. But, I, uh, you know, I mean, that's a pretty stacked card at that point. I mean, that's one guy less than 25 to 1. But that's kind of where I'm looking right now. You know, I think as much as Zalatoris' number is value for me, 
he's not really competing in these tournaments. Like, I don't know how he'll react if he actually gets himself into contention. Like, he's posting really gaudy numbers as far as, like, his finishing positions. But you're getting them where, you know, on Sunday he had no chance to win the tournament. So, um, you know, 50 is a really good number if if uh, you do want to dive down that road. I mean, I would not talk anybody out of it. Like, the only person that I probably won't be considering that I named was Harris English just because – I don't know that he can turn it around. Everybody else I'm kind of going to do a little bit of more deep diving into. I will tweet it out on my Twitter at Tee Sports. Uh, you know, and and if anybody has any questions, always ask me on there and I we can always discuss it further. 100%. Yeah, Harris was the guy that I was not on at all. I think I got him ranked. I have him ranked behind KH Lee. So wow. do I take a KH Lee t- uh, win ticket there or, or what do I do? I know he was was a tournament that he dominating was Scottsdale, right? At at the waste management, I think was his big week, but um, he didn't really pop for me by any means, but I going down to look at where I was like, where the hell is Harris English of mine? And he was way down there. So maybe I will just take a little, some sort of action on KH Lee, but you know, yeah, funny, no. <laughs> go ahead. Funny, funny enough with it. I wrote up KH Lee in one of my DraftKings articles this week, and he's not somebody that like I love with where it is, but he's 6,300. He's going to be about a percent owned. He's great out of the bunkers. Um, well, let's go yeah. then. All right. You know, I think you can find maybe a little something like if, if you're desperate, this is, as you said, this is not a DraftKings show, but you know, if you're desperate down in that range, I think you could do a lot worse than KH Lee. I'm with you. All right. Um, any other final thoughts? Um, thanks again for the Justin Rose ticket. I don't know. I completely overlooked him, but I think that will be the last ticket I punched tonight and, uh, get ready for a, a great tournament. I don't know if I'm going to do the Zalatoris thing, but I a hundred percent agree with you. Like 50 to one is a really good value there. I, and again, we said it last week, don't bet with your heart or don't bet with, recent anger or anything like that. Like, I, obviously, I'm not mad at Will Zellatoris. He's a great young golfer, but seven putts and two holes, that's something that, you know, regulars like us could go do. So we expect a little bit more out of Will, but... Uh, you know, I think it's a, it's a good board that we have this week. Maybe not as much from an outright perspective. I mean, I know both of us, uh, we talked a lot less about that. I love how many plays we have in that top 40 market together. I, I think we're looking at something to where there's a lot of value to be had there for if you have DraftKings, points bet, FanDuel. I mean, most of those plays came at points bet if you can get that. And yeah, I, I'm just, I'm real excited to see what happens this week and uh, real excited with this show. Hopefully there's a lot of information. You know, we touched the board from top to bottom, essentially. I mean, we we have names on this show that I'm sure most shows aren't getting to. So hopefully everybody got a little something out of it and uh, hopefully we can get a winning ticket. Good luck to you because it seems like we have, like you said, every play in the top 40 top 30 markets we're on together so i love that i think it's going to be a really good week so enjoy it man thanks again for your time and thank you all for listening last week and tuning in this week we greatly appreciate it yep thank you for uh tuning in and uh thanks once again nick